Welcome to the Gathering at Adel. Today's message is from the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, titled, How to Pray. Today, we're, we're going to be looking in Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. Today, we're going to be talking about how the purpose of prayer is to draw us to the Father and to align ourselves with his plans and his desires for our lives. Before we get too far into it, I'll let you guys go ahead and turn there. Have you been to a wedding recently? Uh, this year, maybe last year, the trend really started. Uh, man, there is something now where phones have gotten out of hand at weddings. Have you noticed that? If you've been to a wedding recently, I mean, man, there are phones everywhere. People are... And not the paid photographers. We're talking about just the, the uncle and the aunt that write once a year to them or whatever. But they're at the wedding. And so, man, they are going to document, right? And so you've got brides having to walk down the aisle around people because they're trying to take pictures and do things. And I can promise you, if you go to a wedding this year, you will see a couple of signs or you will even hear a pastor very kindly say, hey, you know what? Can you put your phones away? The bride is asking you not to take pictures or videos of the ceremony. Y'all are all aware of this, right? We've been to that. You know, because what happens is people that are there, they take these pictures and videos and they, they instantly upload it to social media so that their 37 followers know exactly what they're doing at that moment because they are very interested in what you're doing at that very moment. But what happens is it steals the joy of the bride and the groom of being able to, you know, show pictures for the first time of their wedding ceremony. What it does is it takes like a, a private and an intimate setting and just blasts it onto Twitter Nation. And everyone now gets to see you, maybe not the picture you would have put up there if you were the bride, but they didn't really think about that and they just put it on there. But what, we, what we're looking at is how that private and intimate moment when taken out of context and out of this private and intimate moment and blasted to the public, doesn't have the same effect. And that's basically, I summed up for you what Jesus talked about how to pray. He said it a little different, so let's go to his word and see exactly what he said. But if you don't listen, then that's exactly what he said. Here we go. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 5. It says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to, the, to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Because your father knows the things you need before you even ask. And so as, as we look at that today, we're, we're going to be looking at the purpose of prayer is to draw us to the father. And to align us with his plans and his desires for our lives. There's three things that we're going to look at today as we look just in those quick three verses, four verses right there. One, it says, do not pray to be seen or heard by others. Pray in a place where only the father can see you. And don't babble. Prayer was meant to be this intimate and private conversation with God. And my, my illustration to, with, the, with the wedding is that, that when you take what is meant to be private and intimate and put it out for the public, 
it loses some of the, the wonder and awe. And so prayer, a lot of times we've made it. And we, we've prayed a lot today. Sorry about that if that bothers you. We prayed a lot out loud today. And we're not saying that, that there's never a time or a place for that. Jesus actually shows us throughout Scripture where, how to pray out loud. He, he goes through the book of Acts, and they prayed out loud. And we're not saying there shouldn't be any prayer meetings in the church. There should be. We have one at 9 a.m. We want to have more. And so what we're saying is that prayer, the purpose of prayer was to be this intimate and private conversation with God. And that when we take what was meant to be private and intimate and put it into the public, it kind of loses the awesomeness of it. When you do it to be seen by others, it's like, mm, not good. Number one, don't pray to be seen or heard by the others. Jesus said, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray to be seen by people. And he says that they have their reward already. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, we looked at it last week on how to give. Jesus said, don't practice your righteousness before others so that it'll be seen by them. It's the same thing. Quit. He wants us to quit doing things that can be seen by others so that we can receive our reward, our praise, their praise, and their reward. But the Father is saying, hey, do these things in secret because the Father who is in the secret will see you and he will reward you. Once again, Jesus is teaching us to check our hearts and our motivation. He's not saying don't give. He's absolutely saying give. But when you give, give in this way. He's assuming that we're already going to pray because he doesn't have to teach you how to pray or when to pray. But he says, whenever you pray, don't do this. When you pray, do this. He's obviously telling us that we are to pray. But what he wants to make sure is that when we pray, the purpose and the motivation behind it is not to be seen by others so that we can receive our praise and their, their praise and their glory. Have you ever been around somebody that prays and I've seen it done both ways where it's really good and cannot be as good. You know, you, you get around someone that's, that prays obviously better than me and you're, you know, like you're, you're around them and you're like, man, that is so good. There's, some, there's something that when you're, you're around somebody that's in the faith, your brother and your sister and they're praying and they're going after the things of God and there's something that can be beautiful about it. Because even though they're praying in public, they're still just praying for the audience of one. But have you been around people that, that pray way better than you? But you just get that icky feeling about it like, man. Because they might be praying better than you, quote unquote. They might be using words that you never even knew existed. But when they do it for the praise of others, Jesus says, don't do that. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the fakes, the pretenders, the actors. They just put on a show because they want to be seen by others. He says, don't do those things. We are to pray as if we are unobserved, undisturbed, and unheard by others. My question to you is, do you only pray when others are around? Is this, is this time here where we pray over the fathers, we pray over the kids, we pray before service? Is that your only time to pray? You see that, that public prayer, there's nothing wrong with that, but public prayer should be less than 5% of our prayer life. Like what, what I'm praying now should not be the only prayers that I pray today and this week. He says, pray in private. Don't, don't be like the hypocrites and don't be like the fakes. Our public prayer should be less than 5% of our actual prayer life. 
we should do it in such a way that brings glory to the Father. When we pray in public, we should not pray in such a way that brings glory to us or where people go, man, look at him go. He's really using some words there. He's really combining this. And man, this looks good. That sounds good. We're to pray in such a way that brings glory to the Father. Jesus says that when you pray to go into your room to shut the door and to pray to your Father who is in the secret. The purpose of prayer is to draw us to the Father and to align ourselves with his plans and his desires for our lives. Prayer was designed to be a private and intimate conversation with God. Prayer is the way that we fellowship with the Father. The Hebrew word for prayer is tefla. It's you didn't lose them. They're right here. They never moved. You're the one that left. <laughs> He's like, I lost my mom and dad. They've been there for like an hour now. They're good. <laughs> the Hebrew word for prayer is tefla. It's, if you're interested in the spelling, T-E-F-I-L-A-H, tefla. And this word, the Hebrew language was a word that painted a picture. And the Hebrew word tefla is a picture that Words that paint a picture of union with the Father. When we pray, we are coming into union with God. It's not a time where we tell God all the things that we want or all the things that are going wrong, but it's an intimate moment between the creator and the created. It's a time where, where that, that word tefla, it, it means like, like nothing else matters. It's union, it's covenant with the Father. And so, so when we pray, why do we not want to pray in public as much as we pray in private? Because in the private life, in our private prayer life is where we get to be unified with the Father. Where, where we don't gripe about the things that are going on or voice our frustrations, but where we just get to be with the Father. Where, where that union, where the world has tried to tear us apart, but we get to come back together. We get to be reunited with him. You see that, that there's conversations that you can have in private that you can't have in the open. Right? Like my, my public prayer life, as we pray over the fathers, we pray over the kids, or, or even as I pray in worship, there are other things that I say in private that, let's be honest, I don't want to say in front of you guys. But if I only pray in public, then I never say those things. I never get to voice my, my fear and my worry and my anxiety, my struggles. Like, I don't want, you don't want me sitting on that front row praying to the Father like I was to pray in private because I would say things that are only meant for the Father and me. But if we only pray in public, then we won't get the breakthroughs that we're after. Because we'll never have to really deal with ourselves because it's all fake and pretense. But the prayers that I pray in private are intimate. They're, they're, they're special between me and the Father. It's like you, you try to have a conversation and you go on a date with your wife or there's conversations that you and your wife will have in a bedroom that, that you don't want to have in a restaurant. And they don't want you to have that conversation either. They're at a restaurant. It wouldn't make sense. But it's the same way with our prayer life. We are trying to have our private prayer life in the public because we don't want to have to actually deal with the things that we have to deal with. Me and my wife, when we plan a vacation, we, uh, we don't tell the kids 
right? They, they don't find out that we're leaving until like the day before, actually like the night before. Like, hey, like we, when we went to Galveston, it's like we're, we're leaving Sunday morning and they're like, we told them, hey, Saturday night, hey, y'all need to pack a bag, we're gonna be gone for three days. And they're like, what, what's going on? You know, and it's like all the questions like, hey, you don't need to know, man. You need to pack a bag, swimsuit, underwear, pack double what you think on the underwear because you always go under on the underwear, right? Extra socks, here we go, because they don't need to know that. There, there's things that you have, conversations you have in private that you don't need to have in public. Or, or when me and Lauren have had a, a talk already in, the, in private, and like she's reminding me, have you ever been reminded by your spouse in public of a private conversation? It's like, there's some gestures, some mouthing words, like, we've already talked about this. No, I can't go there and say I'm busy. You know, like, hey, like there are things, like there's these, that we don't need to have all of these conversations out in the open, right? So there are things that are best kept private. And that's, that's what Jesus is saying with our prayer life. He's not saying don't pray in public. He, he's not saying that at all. But what he's saying is if you desire that breakthrough, if you desire the reward from the Father, then go to your room, shut the door and pray because the Father who is in secret will see you and he will reward you. Jesus is saying not to take a private and intimate moment and make it public. It has the same effect as pornography. (laughs) And I know we would all sit here and say, wow, that's gross and offensive. When you take a private and intimate moment and you make it public to be seen by others, maybe that's how God feels towards our prayers. The last point of Jesus' teaching on how to pray is to not babble. Don't use many words hoping to be heard. Penelope, uh, she is now four. I have to remember that. She just turned four last week. She has all the words in the English language already. And she uses all of them 17,000 times a day. All the words. Penelope, she's really good at, uh, if she gets hurt outside, and this is Penelope coming inside to tell us what happened, you know, there's tears and wailing and gnashing of teeth, and she's, oh, and Dad, oh, I was going outside, and then, and then the, the door wouldn't open. I'm like, okay, is it, not, is it locked? No, no, and then, then I went outside, and then I went down the stairs, and then there, there was a wash. I said, okay, did the wash see you? No, and then I went outside, and then, on the, then I went up onto the trampoline. All right, did you fall off the trampoline? No, and then Ben, you know, it's like all the things, and it's like, hey, babe, what happened? And she's like, oh, I fell off the slide, hurt my butt. Okay, awesome. But like if I didn't interrupt her right there, that was 37 minutes, like just without a doubt. It's like all the words. And sometimes, sometimes we do that to the Lord where it's like, oh, and then this person said this and they were mean to me and and the Lord's just finally like, okay, so what's wrong? You're like, oh, they said that and I'm hurt and I'm offended. And he's like, okay, get over it. You know, like, but, but we think that if we, if we babble and use all these words and we make the point, we're dramatic and have all that, then, oh, then maybe he'll hear us because we've used all the words. There's a, a video messaging app called Marco Polo. Y'all familiar with Marco Polo? Y'all use it. My idea, no, my, I don't know why it was created. I think it was created so that 
My wife does not like to talk on the phone, but she will watch a Marco Polo of me asking a question. And if I text it, I'm not great at texting and saying things clearly. If you've gotten a text back from me that's gone, what? Sorry, I just don't do well with that. I can talk. That's all I can do. We've, told, we've established this. So I can, I'll video myself. Hey, babe, what are you thinking about this? Blah, blah, blah. Here you go. Done. 42 seconds. That's it. Some people think it's like a, and some people is not my wife. This is Father's Day. I'm going to not do anything that's going to ruin that. All right. This is not my wife. Right. But some people think it's like a video blog of like their life. And it's like, you know, you pull it up and it's like, you look at it already and it's 17 minutes long and you're like, oh dear Lord. Like, even though we've paid the 50 bucks the year so that you can two time it, right? Have y'all just hit that two time. It's a dumb waste of money, but actually when you have a 17 minute Marco Polo, like 42 of them a day, it makes sense. You just that, hit that two time and it's just like, da, da, da. and like they're walking around the house doing things, doing this and it's like, what do you need from me exactly in this moment? You know, like, so, but it's the same way that, that with the Lord, the Lord's kind of like, he's not saying be quiet, but at the same time, it's like, hey, we're good. Just tell me what you need, bud. I think so many times we think with prayer, it's just like this babble and go on and on and on. But he says, don't babble like the Gentiles, for they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Repetition doesn't sway God. Length and style don't impress him. When you pray, pray as a child talking to their daddy. It's that simple. He says, don't babble. Pray short prayers. The Lord's really been convicting me this last year of this exact thing. So many times when we pray, especially pray for healing, we feel like we have to pray over every thing that goes in on, on a leg, you know, and we start calling out joints and tissues and sinews, and uh, that's about all I know. Sorry, there's probably some cells or something, right? But we start, like, and you get around somebody that's been to, like, you know, that's a nurse, and it's like, dang, they're praying really specific. And, like, I get it. There's a time and a place for that. But there's also something when you look at the Word of God, when you look at Jesus, Short, simple prayers. He said, get out, and it left. I mean, he didn't, he didn't say all the things that we know that have been said, that, that I've done and I still do. But the Lord's just trying to say, hey, it's just short and simple prayers. You, you don't have to sway him. It's not like, oh, okay, there you, you said joints, tissue, sinews, got it, three for three. Ankle's healed now. Instead, you can just say, ankle be healed you know, you, repetition does not impress him. But what that means, though, is that short and simple prayers, that doesn't mean that you take your, your prayer time and now you've reduced it to just two minutes and you're good. It's two minutes, but it's 70 times a day. Because prayer is not just this thing that we pray before we take a test, before we hop in the car with somebody who's a bad driver. Once again, not mentioning any names, staying in the good, good house here, right? Like, we don't just pray these things. Prayer is not designed for that. Prayer was made to draw us close to the Father. I said, it's not you. Don't look at me. <laughs> prayer, is, prayer was designed to draw us close 
to the Father to align us with his plans and his desires for our lives. When we reduced prayer to I want, I want, I need, I need, we've lost the purpose of prayer. When we try to pray for 30 minutes at a time and say now we're done for this week, we've lost the the Hebrew word of tefla, which means union and covenant and communion with the Father. It does not work in a marriage relationship to come together once a week for 30 minutes. There are so many other things that have to happen throughout the day, throughout the week to make it happen. Prayer is never meant to just be a one-day thing or at bedtime when you wake up, but it was supposed to be 72-minute conversations throughout the day. The purpose of prayer is to draw us close to the Father and to align us with his plans and his desires for our lives. Jesus said in verse 5 that the hypocrites pray to be seen by others. They already have their reward and that those who pray, as Jesus taught, will be seen by the Father and the Father will reward them. We're ending with this. What are some of the rewards of a life marked by prayer? The first reward of a life marked by prayer is peace. If you feel like your life is in chaos, if you feel like things are out of order, prayer is the solution. Because when we pray, we receive the peace that surpasses all understanding. That, that when all of a sudden we don't know what to pray, well, then the Lord just teaches us how to pray. He gives us the words to say, and sometimes there's not any words. You see that, that Hebrew word for tefla, it doesn't just mean to be to speak, but it means to sit. The, the last Hebrew word on there, the, the, the Hebrew language, the, the tefla, is actually four words. And the last word is a, the picture of a man with his arms spread but nothing coming out of his mouth, just his arms spread of praising the Father. When we pray, a reward that we have is that we receive the peace that surpasses understanding. Because you see that we are shaped by our prayers, and when we pray, we receive the peace of God. And when we see God for who he is, and there's nothing to fear. That, that when all of a sudden we're faced with this trial, this temptation, this sickness, this disease, this annoying co-worker, all of that stuff, then all of a sudden when we sit down and we pray, all of a sudden we begin to receive the peace of God because we see him for who he is. And there's nothing to fear when that happens. Another reward is we have communion with the Father. Communion speaks and covenant is, is the same type of word, but it speaks as where, where we speak and he speaks. Prayer, so many times we think that there's so many things that we have to say in prayer when really part of the prayer is just sitting there and listening to him. Number seven, verse 89, it says that when Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, He heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim. He spoke to him that way. You see that our prayer life is not just about what we have to say to him, but what he has to say to us. You see that when we miss out on a prayer life, we're not just missing out on talking to him, but we're missing out what he has to say to us. When we view prayer as just I want, I want, I need, I'm hurt, this and that, then all of a sudden 
We've taken what was meant for an intimate and a private conversation and we've made it just a one-way thing. We've dominated it and we have not allowed the Lord to speak because we're saying, I want, I want, I want. And then when we don't get it, then we're frustrated. But in that moment of, saying, of us saying, I want, I want, I want, the Lord is speaking something totally different to you, but you're too busy talking. I'm too busy talking. A reward of a life marked by prayer is purpose. When you sit down and you pray, man, God will speak a purpose, whether that's purpose for a season, purpose for a job, purpose for your life, purpose for your family, purpose for your church, purpose for your car, for your vehicles, purpose for your talents and your time and your money. Like all of a sudden when you sit down and when things seem out of whack and you're like, man, I just don't know what I'm doing anymore, sit down and pray and the Lord will give you purpose. He'll give you a passion. I, I, I promise you, if you'll take the opportunity this week and just say, man, I'm just going to pray more this week. I, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't know if it's going to be two minutes, 70 times a day. I don't know what it's going to look like. But can I promise you this, that if you do that and you're committed to that as, with, as a life marked with prayer, that you'll walk away more passionate about Jesus than you've ever been. Because you'll sit down and you'll hear the heart of the Father. You'll allow him to show you things that you've never given him time to show you. A reward of a life marked by prayer is healing and wholeness. A prayer, a, a person that is healed, made whole, and delivered is a person that has a life full of prayer. A right understanding. God is not the one who needs to be convinced of who he is. God is not the one who needs to be changed. When, when we sit down and we pray, then all of a sudden we're going to have a right understanding of the situation, of the person, of all of the things. Because all of a sudden we're like, oh, okay, that's what you meant by that, Lord. Now I see, okay. You see, so many times we're trying to convince God of what to do. But the reward of a life that's marked with prayer is we have a right understanding. And he does, we don't have to convince him. But he's convincing us of who we are and who he's called us to be. The purpose of prayer is to draw us to the Father and to align us with his plans and his desires for our lives. Will you join me in making a commitment to be a Christ follower that prays? Second Chronicles 7.14. If you've been in the church for a while, you probably know it. If my people who are called my name or who bear my name will humble themselves and pray and I will hear them, and I will heal their land. There's a lot of thinking and discussing, wishing and hoping, but is there a lot of praying going on? We, we, we have all the talk shows, and we have all the, the things, and, and if you talk to anybody about anything, they'll tell you all the plans, and you talk to somebody about their work, hey, they, got the, they, they know how, this is how it's supposed to be done. Talk to somebody about the country, this is what needs to happen. We have all the talk, and we have all the wishing, and all the hoping. But it doesn't say if my people who are called by my name, man, if they just talk it out, then I'll heal their land. If they'll just hope, then I'll heal their land. If they just wish, then I'll heal their land. If they just talk bad about their government leaders, man, I'll heal their land. If they'll just do this, this, and that, he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will heal their land. Will you join with me today as we make a commitment before the Lord to be a people that pray?
What, what, what if just in this room, just this, this 65, 70 people said, you know what, we're going to be a people of prayer. Could you imagine what would happen if Cliff and Melody Guerin said, you know what, we're going to be people of prayer. You want me, you want me to tell you what's going to happen? Walmart will have a revival breakout. Because wherever Cliff is hopping, skipping, jumping to, he carries the power in the presence of God. Man, man, Tony, what would happen to Garner if Tony was a man of prayer and people knew that Tony's going to be a man of prayer? What would happen to Garner? It's not that big. Revival would break out. People would come to know Jesus in an instant. It would spread. Hey, there's this church in the middle of nowhere. Their pastor's a little off, but man, they... They know how to pray. What, what would happen? We, we want people to flock to us because we have lights and fog and actions and we say all the right things and we don't have kids in service with us, right? But the truth of the matter is, you know what flocks makes people flock? It's the power of prayer. It's the presence of God. What, what could happen if we just decided that, man, we're gonna, our neighborhood is going to be changed, and I'm going to go for a walk every morning and every night, and I'm going to pray. As I walk, I'm going to pray for my neighborhood. Could you imagine if the presence of God just, is that maybe a word, emanates outside of just your household, and now all of a sudden everywhere that you go, it's there because we carry it, and all of a sudden we just walk, we pray for our block, we pray for our town. Can you imagine if we became a people of prayer and not a people of talking and wishing and hoping? Can you imagine what would happen to your spouse, how he or she would change if you would just shut your mouth and pray? Could you imagine all of the things that you wish that he or she would be, all the things that you wish he or she could do if you would just shut your mouth and pray? We're so busy doing all the other things. But if we would be a people that prayed, then the presence of God would go so forth, so powerful that Jesus said that the gates of hell could not even prevail against it. So let's pray. And let's cause and ask the Lord to cause our hearts to burn for prayer. Because can I promise you, you can hear a message and maybe you're inspired, maybe you're bored, maybe you're ready to go. But tomorrow morning, you're not going to wake up and go, man, I want to pray today. But if we pray right now for the Holy Spirit to burn our hearts for prayer, then we'll walk out of this building with our hearts on fire. And all of a sudden, prayer won't become a duty or a responsibility, but it'll become a privilege. So, Father, we come before you with the desire to be a person that prays, with the desire to be a people that prays, for a desire to be a church that prays. Father, may our hearts burn for prayer. May we not view it as wasting time. May we not view it as pointless. But Father, may we have a right understanding of what prayer is. And would we pray in such a way that causes not just our hearts to burn for you, but for our families, 
in our neighborhoods, in our town, in our cities. And maybe one day, Father, maybe one day that our country would burn for prayer. Maybe that one day that our hearts and our country would just burn and that we would be a people of prayer, of unity, and of passion for your word. Father, we love you. May we burn for you. May we have a desire for prayer. In your name we pray. Amen.